everyone. Welcome to Supplements, the podcast for learning a little bit about wine and a lot of bit about natural supplements. I'm Val. And I'm Ben. Stick around as we rate some wine and then discuss the specifics of a different herb, vitamin, or other natural supplement every week. Today, we're going to be tasting a red wine out of California and then chatting about B12. Today, we have a 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon from Penrose Hill, and that is a winery in Napa Valley, California. We're going to do things a little bit differently today. Ben has decided to taste the wine before we started recording, and that way he had his kind of own ratings that he could compare to what the ratings said on the info card that we got. Yeah, basically, I feel like I'm pretty terrible with gut reactions, but I do like to be quizzed. So let's go for it. Okay. So the wine has a dark color, kind of reminiscent of black currant. And the taste is of uh, a plum or black cherry taste. I said black cherry in my notes. I even have it here with exclamation points, black cherry. All right, I'm lying. There's no exclamation points, but it does say cherry flavor. (laughs) (laughs) So that flavor indicates that these grapes were picked at the peak of perfection. Mm. So it should be a very delicious wine. Mm. Was it very delicious? I found it delicious. Okay. Uh, A couple other notes before we hear Ben's comparisons. It's supposed to have a balanced and rich mouthfeel, structured tannins, some oak and cedar notes, and a lingering finish. The winemakers also suggested decanting, which we decided not to do because we didn't read the card. So here we are. But you did aerate. So but, yeah, that's fine. What did you rate it on body? So for body, I gave this one high marks for a body. I thought it was very full. I thought... Even though I don't know what structure means yet, although I'm very excited to continue this every week and learn more about structure, I'm going to say that it was structured. Um, So I gave it a four for Buddy. Okay. They also gave it a four out of five. Obviously, I'm a genius. Or they're just very good at telling you what their wine is supposed (laughs) to taste like. (laughs) There's that. All right. Next on the list is acidity. I am still trying to figure out exactly what acidity tastes like. So... I was trying to envision like maybe tasting lemonade or something very sour and kind of how that would feel and comparing it. I don't know. So I I felt like this was in the middle. I give this one a three for acidity. The card gave it a one, the info card that we were provided with. That is shocking. I think I kind of agree with you also after tasting it. It is a little bit more tart. So if you'll remember our description of acidity from last week it says that's what gives wine it's tart or sour taste and this wine is a little bit more sour than i think a one out of five yeah i would yeah. think a one out of five would be like what? a little less it's not a lot sour but right. it is it still is there i mean all right next on the list is sweetness okay sweetness i we'll kind of come back to this on the list too but i got like fruit and sweetness kind of mixed together in my mind so I gave this one a two for sweetness. They gave it a two also. I went heavy on fruit. Okay, what did you give it for fruit? For fruit, I went a little heavier. I went three. Yes, they gave it a three also. Oh my God, I cannot believe I'm so good at this. You cheated. I did not cheat. All right, what'd you get the, what did you give the tannins? All right, tannins. I know tannins. He knows tannins from lots of years of cheap wine. <laughs> I gave it a four for tannins. They gave it a four also. <laughs> Holy tannins okay so that's great that means that like it actually tastes the way that That they have intended it to taste yes i'm still very surprised but there you go 
Maybe I need to be a master wine taster. That's definitely what we have learned from this conversation. (laughs) Okay, so it says um, there's some food pairings here. If this wine sounds good to you, you can have it with ribeye steak, mushrooms, or baked eggplant. So in summary, we have a 2018 vintage Cabernet Sauvignon from Penrose Hill in Napa Valley. It is a 15.2% alcohol, and the MSRP is $35. And I will say, I really like the finish. I don't know. I think a lot of people shy away from heavy tannins, or at least maybe that's just what I hear from talking casually with people. I kind of like the drier taste, and I, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, it's not too dry of a red wine, but it's not too, it's not like sickeningly sweet either. Right. How many stars out of five? Oh, just like holistic. Just in general, like, would you buy again? Yeah, I'm four. That's what I was thinking too. Four out of five. A good good non-committal but appreciative four. Would recommend. Yeah, definitely. I would buy this for like a friend moving into their house or some kind of dinner party, but probably not to quarantine drink by ourselves. Right. Like we're doing right this second. If you're on your metaphorical (laughs) desert island of a quarantine COVID house, then go for that five stars wine, whatever that is for you. But this is definitely good for trying to impress your friends. Good. Let's learn about B12. Okay. So we've gotten a few different questions. I've gotten a few different questions about B12 from family members. I also stay in touch with a couple of former customers. And so... Sometimes they'll text me asking for recommendations on what they should be shopping for because, ah, for whatever reason. Um, But B12, there's always been a lot of questions about it. It's something that doctors can tell you to take. But in my experience, whenever customers were coming to shop for B12 because their doctor told them they were a little bit deficient, they didn't really know what they were looking for. And so... Um, we're probably going to have a lot of like listy sounding stuff today, what it does in your body, things that it helps with, foods you can find it in, signs that you might be deficient. So when you're shopping for supplemental B12 and you're standing in the vitamin aisle, you will most of the time see the B12 listed as cyanocobalamin. And this is the most common form of supplemental B12 because it's easy to manufacture, so it's less expensive. Companies can make more money on it or they could sell it at a much lower price point so it looks attractive for the person just coming to snatch the cheapest thing off the shelf. The downside of it is that it's difficult for your body to absorb it. It has to go through the liver and the liver can convert some of the cyanocobalamin into the active form, which is called methylcobalamin. And that is the form of B12 that can be absorbed into your cells to be useful. Sometimes people can just supplement with this cyanocobalamin at high levels and still test B12 deficient. And it's, it's because your body just simply cannot break down those large amounts of the cyanocobalamin form into a useful form that can be absorbed into your cells. You'll see it if people are shopping for a B-complex, I always would recommend a methylated version. And so a lot of companies will list it like, methyl B-complex or active form B-complex. And that's, those are the kinds of things that you need to look for on the label. What you can do is you can eat foods that have a lot of B12 in them. Like what? Oh, I'm so happy you asked. 
It is mostly in meats, Mm. kidney, liver, brewer's yeast, eggs, dairy products, seafood, especially clams, herring, and mackerel. And if you're vegetarian or vegan, you should really think about supplementing anyway. You can find B12 in soy, and the only other plant source is sea vegetables. So dulse, which is a dark red seaweed, kelp, kombu. You'll see kombu used in Japanese cooking. Mm. Bladderwrack, which is a seaweed found in the North and Baltic seas. So B12 does a ton of stuff in the body. It's used in protein synthesis that is necessary for cardiovascular function. So your heart needs it and your veins and your vessels. It all needs it. It helps to prevent anemia. So the way that it does that is it aids the folic acid in regulating the formation of red blood cells, and it helps your red blood cells use iron. Uh, It also helps in the production of white blood cells, so super important for your immune system, which given this pandemic, everyone wants to know what natural things are going to help their immune system. And just flu season in general. Yeah, that's coming. Where is it here? Time will tell on flu season. Who knows? I'm very... I mean, flu season has high stakes every year, but I think this year it's going to be really interesting to see if we have a lot of flu or not based on, you know, people taking precautions to protect against COVID. Yeah. I think it'll be really cool if we see less flu cases. Anyway, back to B12. (laughs) It aids in proper digestion. So if you're having some GI issues or you've just noticed that everything you eat recently is kind of making you feel uncomfortable... You can try supplementing with B12. It helps with the metabolism of carbs and fat. It prevents nerve damage. And so that helps with memory loss, cognitive function, things like that. Probably muscle mobility and muscle control. Yeah, I think that like athletes can take higher amounts of B12 to help their athletic function as well. I read that it can help maintain fertility. And it can help you have better sleep patterns so you feel more rested in the morning after you wake up. Do you have any questions? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to He's doing a lot of nodding. Um, Well, it's a long list of things that it can can help with. My question is, how do you know if you are deficient in B12, I guess? Like, because if you you have enough B12, getting more B12 is not going to help you with those things necessarily right right so it's more like if you're having abnormal sleep patterns maybe you're deficient in b12 and then maybe it can help restore those sleep patterns well the great thing about having a primary care doctor which i mean i don't even really have at the moment we should get one should yeah (laughs) but they can run a blood panel okay so I had a different kind of doctor run a blood panel and I was told that I was normal on my B12 levels. But whenever I went into the actual test results that they, they should all be giving you, they should, I think most of them just post them online now in your, in your, my chart or whatever they call it. And I was technically normal, but I was actually right on the line of deficient. So earlier this week, I opened that B complex and I've been taking it every day. So, Have you, well, it's only been a, it's only been a week, but I'm sure your pee's gotten more yellow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> My next section here is the effects of B12 deficiency. So, ways that you might feel if you are B12 deficient. And, you know, if you're feeling 
any of these ways or a combination of these things, then maybe you should just go get a blood panel and have them test your B12 levels. It's, I mean, it's not hard. They just take like a tube or your little tube. And then it was back in like two days. So you could feel fatigued, like consistently fatigued. You can have trouble pooping. You can have digestive disorders, headaches or migraines, labored breathing, which I hadn't heard of before Hmm. really like, you know, taking the time to sit down and research this memory loss, which I'm hoping that this B complex that I've been taking since the beginning of the week is going to help with. I think your memory is spot on. I'm hoping that the B12 (laughs) helps with the memory loss. (laughs) Maybe you're good at faking it. Heart palpitations, being nervous, anemia is a big one. And then there were three really interesting symptoms of B12 deficiency that I had not heard of before. Tinnitus, so ringing of your ears. Working in that wellness department, I had a lot of customers coming in and looking for something for tinnitus, and I never knew that I could tell them to just maybe take a B12. I mean, maybe the B12 wouldn't wouldn't help them, but if they hadn't tried it, it would it would be interesting to see that. Yeah, of course. Because a lot of people really are not getting their B12 levels tested in their blood like every year. Well, it's the kind of thing that it sounds like if you're if you're eating meat and you're eating or you're eating seafood or really any animal products, you're probably getting what your body needs for it or what your body can use right. for it. But that doesn't mean that you're absorbing it correctly. Right. That's what I was hearing you say. And if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, then the door's kind of wide open. You really gotta keep testing and making mm-hmm. sure that, that you're keeping your levels up. So yeah, I mean these these small symptoms might be there. I don't know if tinnitus is is like a serious symptom when like anemia has gone like Yeah, I'm awry. not sure. Another symptom that I found very interesting was a swollen liver, which I I mean there's no way that like I can tell if my liver is swollen or if your liver is swollen <laughs> just by looking just, at you. If you could tell if a liver was swollen. I imagine that you know in the blood panel if you're getting your B12 results <laughs> that you might also see some wacky liver enzyme results if that's happening is a swollen liver the same as a fatty liver no i don't think so and the last really interesting symptom was inflammation of your tongue Mm. what if you just had like a big tongue i didn't look up to see what other things could cause a swollen tongue but it has really (laughs) been grossing me out since i read about it (laughs) poor people Um, I also found a paper on PubMed that links low B12 levels to cognitive decline. Oh, okay. So there are a lot of studies happening right now with dementia patients getting supplemented with B12. So that, that was interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that the studies are going on. I also do have to remind everybody listening, since I forgot to say it at the beginning... Hello, episode two, that I am not your doctor and this podcast is not meant to substitute for any medical advice. It is always really important to remember that because I do have a lot of, I have a lot of knowledge about these natural supplements, but I cannot diagnose anybody for anything. So don't get like, if you're listening to this, don't get really freaked out if your tongue is feeling fat right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard to make your way out my BP12. Give it some more thought. 
Okay, so another another study that I found that I thought was really interesting was in the American Journal of of obstetrics and gynecology from 2004 that showed that women who gave birth to babies with spina bifida had B12 levels that were 21% lower than women that had healthy babies. Oh, wow. So you're always, one thing we always told people was, or, you know, if a pregnant customer came in, they wanted the prenatal DHA, which is really very important, and the folate, folic acid. Sure. And another thing that I had started recommending to people was choline because there, we can talk about this on a different episode, but there are links with choline and things like schizophrenia. But it makes sense now reading this and learning how B12 works hand in hand with folic acid, you would want to make sure that your B12 levels were in check. I mean, you probably want to make sure that all of your vitamin levels are in check. Well, if you're pregnant, I mean, the stakes are yeah. up, right? So you definitely I also are have getting to say, tested more regularly. And if there's any kind of risk factors, then you're paying more attention to those. Too, I don't I think guess. I ever got any kind of like blood panel where they checked like my B12 and my D and stuff like that. We'll talk about your story on a different We're never going to talk about story. it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. So another thing that I found was that... If you think you have an absorption issue of B12, it is pretty rare. So people that are old, elderly people, and people with intestinal disorders are most likely to suffer from a B12 deficiency from not being able to absorb the vitamin. And the people that can't absorb the vitamin are missing a protein in their intestinal tract called intrinsic factor. And there is a test. There's a test you can take for that. So you don't really have to worry about it. You just go to your doctor and, you know, if your levels are consistently low, but you're supplementing and you make sure that you have the methylated form instead of the cyanocobalamin and it's still not working out for you, but you don't want to get injections until you really know that you have an absorption problem. It's called a shilling test. I don't know exactly how they do it. I assume it's just a blood draw and they can check. Even if it comes back that your body lacks the intrinsic factor, you can always try a sublingual B12. So that's the little dissolving tablet that goes under your tongue. And you can absorb the B12 right into your bloodstream from underneath your tongue. Oh, bonus. Yeah, except B12 tastes bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's bad. If, if you've ever taken a vitamin and you open it up and it smells bad and it tastes like it's just like really earthy, but not like in an not an acceptable kind of earthy. It's just gross. That those are your B vitamins. And that's a I mean, it's unfortunately it's a good thing, but like that's that's one way that you can know that your vitamin is really good. So you can always try a sublingual. Just I'm warning you, it is gonna taste bad. But I mean your body needs B12 for so many different things, like right. such a wide variety of things that I mean, the two minutes that you've got that thing under your tongue, I think you'll be fine. So it was really cool to hear you talk about, or I shouldn't say it was really cool. I was really interested to hear you talk about people with absorption problems. So I did a little bit of reading about B12 before this episode. and He means right before. Which I probably should not have done <laughs> because I'm not, that's not supposed to be my role here. But I wanted to do it anyway. And I got really kind of into the like discovery of B12 and kind of the problems that people were having before they, f- they kind of isolated B12 and figured out how it relates to all of these different symptoms that you were talking about. So 
I guess pernicious anemia was a very serious disease. I don't know exactly the prevalence of it, but it seems to have been really hurting a lot of people in the 19th century and early 20th century. They were identifying a lot of these cases. And then I'm going to skip to the end of the story, but um, the team of doctors who were able to figure out that if people with pernicious anemia were eating a generous portion of liver for days, weeks, months on end. What's generous? Uh, generous is half a pound a day of liver. So a grown adult pounds. cut it up on a plate and like literally fed it to another grown adult? Or did they, did they get they, to eat it all by themselves? they fed it to themselves. Okay. And then there were comments that how the patients really did not enjoy eating half a pound of raw liver every day. I guess raw is the optimal word there. And it was so raw? It was raw. Um, so see, the know. sublingual isn't that bad. Just take know. it. It's fine. <laughs> Don't know how good you have it compared to people in the 20s. Mm. Um, and so these, these patients, they were eating the liver like 18 pounds a month or something. And they were all cured of pernicious anemia or so the, the history review said. So the pernicious anemia is lack of intrinsic factor or? Uh, I would have to read more closely, but it, I it, think that is what it's from. It came across to me that they were not, yeah, that they had a lack of the gastric in- intrinsic factor and they weren't absorbing the cobalamin through their So fun story. It's not that fun. It's not that fun of a story. <laughs> but I think that part of part of that anemia, mm. part of the pernicious anemia is that it's not always it's not detected as quickly because people are overly sufficient in the folic acid and so that hides oh, the symptoms of your B12 deficiency. Okay. Wow, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense or not, but that's very odd and interesting. It's a fun story, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Pretty incredible, actually. The study or all the things that all B12 the things. does? All this, this whole idea that you have this comp, this vitamin, this compound that has cobalt in the middle of it, and somehow that's like so important for all of our cells to be able to reproduce effectively and for all these different body functions that you've got. It's, it's kind of bizarre. It's a crazy molecule. But you're not going to supplement with cobalt. No, no, right. no, don't supplement with cobalt. It's a very, I mean, you know, go to Wikipedia and find it. It's like a series of four molecules and they'll have cobalt in the middle and it's super cool. But so B12 is actually B12? a, it's a general term for all of the cobalamines in your body. Right. Which are kind of like the hemoglobin in your body, except they're, they function around cobalt instead of iron. In a corin ring. Because. What is that? No, I have no idea. <laughs> You've reached the extent of my biochemistry <laughs> knowledge. wikipedia vitamin names and structures. So uh, another question that we used to get a lot is, can you take too much B12? Can you take too much anything? Well, and like these injections, like if you're uh-huh. getting B12 shots, is it too much? Well, some people need the B12 shots. Okay. For some people, people with intrinsic factor or um, intestinal disorders, really might require the shots for them to be able to absorb it. But no, not everybody needs the shots. They're usually only available with prescription anyhow, and so your doctor's not really going to give them to you unless you've tried supplementing. According to Mayo Clinic, you can get dizzy from ultra-high doses of B12, like what you're getting in the injections. I mean, they're injecting all of it into your body at one time, and then you're good for like a week or two weeks or a month, and so... You're getting kind of a bolus all at one time. It's supposed to last you for a while. 
but... That's so weird because... Oh, I guess because it's not going through your digestive tract, it can stay in your blood. As opposed to... I was just thinking about how if you take too much by mouth, then you're going to pee you out take, the excess. Yes, right? if you take too much orally can... and it goes through your digestive system, you just pee out what you aren't using. However, your body can actually store up to five years worth of B12. No. Yes. Get out. <laughs> how is that possible? I don't know. The body and, is mysterious. I don't have it, all the answers. But it's water soluble, right? Where does it store it? Is it water soluble? It is water soluble. That's very good. So where does it store? I don't know. Is the answer to your question. I went on the NIH website. They have a whole article about B12. And there is a quote from the National Academy of Medicine who has not established an upper limit on B12 because, quote, no adverse effects have been associated with excess vitamin B12 intake from food and supplements in healthy individuals. So there is no upper limit. Your body is just going to flush it out. And on that note, the daily recommended, the dietary recommended amount for B12 is 2.5 micrograms, I think. 2.3. It's something like that. And in our B complex here, there are 60 micrograms of B12. So that's 2,500%. And you were asking why why do most supplements have such a high amount if you're just going to pee it out? So first of all, your body is never absorbing 100% of the amount that you are taking by mouth. Even if you are deficient, what I, what I tell people, what I used to tell people is even if you get a, if you get a multivitamin, people like a one a day multivitamin, ideally you're not going to take a vitamin that is once a day because there's no physical way that your body is going to absorb all that it needs out of those huge amounts all at one time. So I used to always tell people if it's a three tablet or three capsule serving size, take one in the morning and two at night or two in the morning and one at night. Oh, spread it out. Yeah. I gotcha. So, I mean, was the percent daily value then is... What's the basis for that? Is that how much you should be ingesting, or is so, that I'll how tell much you. you're supposed to be um, absorbing? It, the or, percent daily or, value was determined by the U.S. government a long time ago when they started when they started determining these for us, for the American people. Like in what, like in the forties or something. I don't know. I mean, and the amount has probably changed to go along with research, but it's the amount just above what is needed to keep from developing a nutrient deficiency. So. It's not always necessarily what you need or what I need, especially given now the over-farming that happens here, the fact that produce is not necessarily as vitamin-rich as maybe it once was. Oh, so not not just like the amount to overcome a deficiency of a person who's just like in space only consuming water, but like the amount to overcome a deficiency in the context of someone who was eating a diet whenever that that was... Determined. Well, that's what you're supposed to get in your right. diet. So you think that RDA as, recommended as dietary amount value should go up is what you yeah. think. So RDA is not recommended daily amount. It's recommended dietary amount. So in your food, in your diet, the American diet is generally garbage. I'm not judging anybody. We, we right. eat what we eat. Sometimes stuff is just easy and that's what you need. But even if you're getting zero from your diet, then... Right. You still don't want 2,000% necessarily. Right, but maybe your body doesn't need 2.3 micrograms. Maybe your body needs 30 micrograms. 
I feel like we have a pretty good diet. We're not eating, you know, a half a pound of liver every single day, but I can't, I can't tell you. It's gotta be raw. Good because I don't know how to prepare it. And it's gotta be covered in red hot. But I can, I can say that, you know, our diet's not bad and I'm still right on that line between normal and deficient. And given all that it helps with, all the things that it's good for, just even like the idea of rapid cognitive decline because I couldn't take a B vitamin, which is relatively cheap, by the way. You can find high quality, cheap B12. I mean, it's worth it to just take it. I can remember stuff. I won't be as irritable. That's good. That's good enough for me. That's all I have. That's all the... That's all the questions that our family members had. (laughs) So I know it it probably sounded like a whole lot of lists. Like I was just talking a lot and listing stuff a lot. But did you find any other interesting tidbits in your your items? Can I tell you the most interesting thing about B12 that I felt like I found? The thing that really shocked me. Yes, please. Okay. B12, which I admittedly did not know anything really about before we decided to do this podcast, is made in our body. Tell me more. Tell us more. Even though you can, you have to get it from eating animal products or supplementing if you're a vegetarian. And even though people have problems absorbing it, have like terrible side effects, our bodies actually make so much that we poop it out all the time. And it's because we have bacteria in our large intestine, in our colon, that grow and make all kinds of B12 and then just put it in our poop and off it goes. But we absorb B12 in our small intestine, apparently. And so Yeah, you don't the, do much absorbing in your colon. All the colon B12 is just totally useless. Okay, so you can eat poop instead of eating liver. I don't want... <laughs> I think there might be I, other side effects to eating poop. Can I have a third poop? option, please? <laughs> Yeah, supplementing. (laughs) It's so easy. Uh, Anyway, I found that so interesting that at some point in evolutionary history... Do other animals make enough that they don't have to... I mean, clearly a a cow's not taking supplements, so... Yeah, apparently uh, vegetarian animals, including primates, if I recall from... I think it was a Discover article. Um, We can post it on on your website. Yeah, if you send it to me, I'll post it. Yeah. Um, vegetarian animals are able to absorb, I can't remember exactly, either they had the bacteria growing in their small intestine or they were able to absorb through their large intestine, one of the two. But in some way they were able to absorb the B12 that was made by the bacteria in their body. We have to, I guess when we started eating animals, then we ate them for so long that our body decided to evolve into a bizarre, wacky state. Haven't humans always eat it? Dependent on eating animals. Haven't we always eaten animals? I mean, not always. I think it depends on whether you subscribe to a scientific history. Oh, okay. We are not. We do not have to get into any of that. That is. Mm -mm. That's for another show. And that is our show for the week, folks. As always, I will put info on the Facebook and Instagram page. So the things that I'm going to post this week are. The spellings of cyanocobalamin and methylcobalamin because uh, maybe you guys don't know how to spell them. And it's good to know exactly what you're looking for on that label whenever you're standing there looking at 75 options of B12 on the shelf. 
I will put a link to the B complex that we're taking right now. It is a B complex gold from Nutrigold. I actually really love this brand. They have a whole slew of certifications. They're non-GMO, they're organic, they're gluten-free for you celiac folks out there. They're vegan, they're kosher. Their veggie capsules are even organic. And so it's just a really great brand. They're one of my favorites. I will also put a link to the article about B12 in pregnant women. And I will find a list of foods and how much B12 they contain that I'll go ahead and post. And I will also post a little bit of information about the wine that we tasted. If you have any questions about anything that we might not have covered on this episode, or if you just have general feedback that you'd like to share, or even a request for what supplement I should cover next, or if there's a wine that you've been curious about but haven't been able to get your hands on, email me at supplements at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on our Facebook page. If you haven't found us on Facebook or Instagram yet, you can find us at facebook.com backslash supplements or instagram.com backslash supplements. And as always, if you liked this episode or found that we had any useful information for you, please remember to subscribe and find supplements wherever you listen to podcasts.